United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linke, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linke, and I'm certainly grateful to each and every one of you, our growing listener base to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'm also extremely grateful to United Soccer Coaches for giving me this platform and allowing me to use it to say that Black Lives Matter, to say that we need to end racism, that we need to end homophobia. And we're going to keep on using that platform. Big show today to do that. We start with Dan Woog. He is the chair for the LGBTQ and Allies Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches. He also has a strong message about Black Lives Matter. He kicks off the show. Crystal Dunn, arguably one of the greatest players in the world. It doesn't matter her color. She is a big-time soccer player that knows how to play the game and knows how to play every single position on the field. That's what should matter. She put out that statement. She has read it loud and clear. I was able to catch up with her, with my co-host Anna Witte, with some work I do with the North Carolina Courage, and I wanted to get that out there. I hope Nicole Hercules, who we had on, as well as Lynn Williams, is proud of Crystal Dunn's message because it is loud and clear. We also cover all aspects of soccer on this show, so it was great to sit down with Eric Sorley. He's the Executive Director of Coaching for Sporting Springfield, a great club of about a thousand kids, and it's a member of the Sporting Club Network. Eric Sorley does it all. They're building a new facility. He does tryouts. He works with the kids. He wanted to get out of college soccer and into youth soccer, and he's loving every minute of it. Eric Sorley, and then we meet two more members of our amazing 30 Under 30 class. Dan Woog and Crystal Dunn to kick it off after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. I am Dean Linky, and as I told you off the top, I am joined by somebody that I've had mad respect for for a long, long time. I knew him in my early days as a press officer. He was nice to me then, and lo and behold, he's still nice to me today. We're talking about the great Dan Woog, who you recognize the name in multiple platforms. He's written for Soccer America forever. He's been a phenomenal high school coach, Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut. He's been a part of the association for, as he would say, 12,000 years, just as long as he's written for Soccer America Dan Woog is the chair for the United Soccer Coaches LGBTQ and Allies Advocacy Group, and that barely touches the surface of everything else he does for United Soccer Coaches. My good friend Dan Woog, welcome to the program, Dan. Dean, it's a pleasure, and we we do go back a long ways, and and I'll tell you, it's it's been a ton of fun. Well, and like I told you, we do go back a long ways, and there's not a time when I see you, and I think you'll admit this. Well, you don't bring an enormous smile to my face, and I want to instantly give you a hug. That says a lot about the way you carry yourself, Dan. People respect you so much. Please tell me you know that. Uh, I do appreciate it, and unfortunately, we're not hugging anybody these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an interesting time 
but it's also a time for us to use our platform to make a difference. Black Lives Matter, and also as we think about the LGBTQ community, that matters. And I feel like we're making sure that we're not forgetting about LGBTQ and allies. And when I say we, I'm hoping the entire country, but definitely United Soccer Coaches. Talk about how you feel about the platform you've been given to make a difference. Sure. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Black Lives Matter because all of us on the Advocacy Council, for all of the advocacy groups, LGBTQ, Black, Hispanic, women, faith-based, disabilities, Native Americans, we really are representing both our own groups and all the groups. We all have different issues, we all have different concerns, but we're there for each other. Right now, it you know, it happens that we're there for the for the black coaches who are really dealing with a lot. But they've been there for us, for our LGBTQ and allies group in the past. They've supported our diversity and inclusion course that we did. When we have play with pride with the rainbow laces every September, they've been there, you know, asking for laces. When we've done programming at the convention, we can't do it without the other advocacy groups, and they can't do it without us. So it really is a, a team effort. I think it's been to the benefit of all the members of the United Soccer Coaches, you know, whether they realize it or not. We've really opened the tent wide, and by doing so, we've helped all coaches who are all different types of people and who end up coaching all different kinds of players. It's all about inclusion, indeed. That's one of the great things about United Soccer Coaches. It's included in their mission statement. It is verified by all of these advocacy groups. As we deal with this pandemic, as we deal with social injustice, as we still deal with some homophobia, what are some key initiatives or action items on your list as the chair for United Soccer Coaches, LGBTQ, and allies? The main things we do... As I mentioned, Play With Pride, the initiative that United Soccer Coaches sponsors every September, where anybody can request, any coach can request rainbow laces for his or her players. Players wear them on a uh, designated uh, week. You know, it's just sort of their way of saying we stand up for LGBTQ coaches and, and athletes. There's usually a social media component of it, some great videos. It's fun. It's visibility and it's pride and it's fun. We did a diversity and inclusion online training module, educational module, a few years ago and recently redid it to be even more inclusive. Uh, we hope to get it translated into Spanish as well. And it's a way for coaches to understand the whole issue of diversity and inclusion and really see that the language that they use, the way they deal with their teams, the way they conduct themselves, all of that sends really important messages of either inclusion or exclusion. And that diversity and inclusion course is on the United Soccer Coaches website. We do programming at the convention every year. We make sure we have an LGBTQ-themed workshop, sometimes in conjunction with other groups, sometimes by ourselves. We've had some really, really great speakers, really 
wonderful, thought-provoking people. We are working on an updated resource list. So if a coach says, you know, one of my players just came out to me as gay or lesbian or bi or trans, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. They can come to this updated resource list and, you know, sort of educate themselves. So those are some of the main initiatives we've done. And we have fun. I mean, we get together every year at the convention. We have a couple of social events. People can realize that they're not alone, that there are other LGBTQ coaches out there. And the last thing, Dean, is that the allies part is really important. We welcome everybody. There are plenty of people in our group who do not identify as LGBTQ but are very supportive of what we do. Some of them may have relatives, some of them may have been, you know, really transformed by coaching an LGBT person, or, or maybe they just get it. Maybe they understand that that there's all kinds of people who play and coach our sport, and, and they want to show their support. We welcome everybody. I love that, Dan. Phenomenal breakdown. Remind everybody what Dan Wu just said. You can learn more about this inclusion by going to United Soccer Coaches' website, United Soccer Coaches. Dot org. Dan, I also like the fact that you joked about, you know, that you've been with Soccer America for 12,000 years covering the youth and high school game. Do so you look at that crossover, gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Youth soccer, high school soccer is so important with the landscape of soccer. It's so important to United Soccer coaches. You've always been drawn to the youth soccer game, the high school game, 18 years as the top man in high school. What is it about youth in high school that you love so much to the point where you've been covering it for 12,000 years, Dan? (laughs) It's such a great age. I mean, this is a wonderful sport for everybody, but especially for teenagers who can express themselves on the field. They're coming into their own. They're discovering who they are. They're really coachable, most of them. It's just fun to be around kids who are 15, 16, 17 years old. They play really well, they're committed, they're passionate, they're able to understand that that it's a global sport. I really love that age. And it's interesting, Dean, now that we've been, we're in, you know, really our fourth month of, of this horrible pandemic, and every coach at every level has had to adapt. In Connecticut, high school soccer is a fall sport, but in, in the spring, we would have meetings normally once a month and keep the kids involved as they play club soccer. And when that was taken away this year, we went to, like so many others, Zoom meetings. We would have them every Sunday. You know, in the beginning, they were all over the place. They just were so happy to see other faces on those Zoom calls. And I realized how important the game is to them not just on the field, but off the field. On the field, obviously, being able to play and compete and and grow. But off the field, just sharing experiences and and working hard and training and laughing and being together, that stuff is so important. I don't know if we'll have a fall season. You know, it's still up in the air, and nobody wants to make a decision, and everybody's waiting to see what everybody else is doing. But I know whenever I get back on the field with our guys, hopefully this fall, but whenever it is, 
I will be a different coach having gone through this pandemic with them. And the stuff that used to drive me up a wall, you know, seeing a referee come over the hill that uh, I didn't particularly care for or having to make a decision about canceling training one day because the weather looked bad and then it didn't rain and then I'd get mad at myself. All that stuff is less important now. And what will really be important is just getting back on the field, training and playing with these kids and being able to do it in an environment that we all love. So I'm really looking forward to that. Great answer, Dan. Two more questions for you. I'm starting to get into these fill-in-the-blank questions, so that's how I'm going to pose it. And uh, I'm going to start by this. I'm going to say, Dan Woog, you're the chair for United Soccer Coaches LGBTQ and Allied Advocacy Group. You're a longtime and successful high school coach. You've been writing about youth in high school for Soccer America and other platforms forever. You've been a key member of United Soccer Coaches forever. You do all of that and love all of it. Why, Dan? Wow, I'm speechless. Uh, why? Because it keeps me young and gives me gray hairs. Uh, <laughs> the opportunity, the chance to be part of this amazing game, which has given me so much, so many opportunities to travel the world, to get to meet interesting people, interact every day with really interesting high school kids. I've gotten so much out of it. So just the fact that, that it's it, it's a chance for me to have a great time and grow as a person. I, I can't think of any other place I'd rather be. Finally, and this is an important question, Dan, particularly in your role. So young or old, but perhaps maybe more for young players, if they are having trouble dealing with their sexual identity, what advice can you offer them? And particularly if they are dealing with bullying because of their sexual identity, I feel like it's an important question to be asked, and I hope you agree. Yeah, and it's not only kids who who may be LGBT who get bullied, it, it's kids who are perceived to be by others. And and I think that's a great question, and I think the best answer is you have to trust the people around you. If you are, for whatever reason, dealing with something, it can be sexual orientation, maybe you feel different because, you know, you're the only black kid or the only Latino kid or the only Asian kid, we're the only white kid on your team. You don't have a mom and dad at home. Maybe you have two moms or maybe you have one parent. Maybe you have the wrong soccer shoes because you can't afford another pair. Every single kid there feels different in some way. Maybe he's too, too tall, too short, started growing faster than the other kids or slower than the other kids. If you trust the kid, kids around you and your coaches, if you're able to express yourself and be yourself as much as you can, no matter who you are, if you are authentic and real and open, the odds are great that those people around you will respond to you. And I say that as someone who hid his own sexual orientation for a long time because I worried 
about the reaction of others. And when I realized that by being who I am, that allowed other people to open up to me, that was a defining moment. So, you know, it's not easy to tell a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or 16-year-old to open up about everything. And I'm not saying they should, but I'm saying by, by trying to be comfortable with who you are, no matter who that is, and then going out on the field and being able to express yourself that way with your feet and your head and your heart, that will take you a long, long way. Can't always do it in the classroom. Maybe can't even always do it in your family or in your religious institution. But if you can do it on the soccer field, you know, those will be two of the best hours that you'll ever spend every day. And that's why we're all inclusive. I'm so glad I asked the question, more importantly, because you, as always, gave a great answer. I'm trying to figure out, Dan Woog, if you've been writing 12,000 years for Soccer America, I'm pretty old, too, then. Uh, I don't know. I'm quite sure where I fit into that. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm just glad that I've known you for all 12,000 of those years, Dan Woog. What a great way to kick off our show. Thanks so much for your openness, your candidness. More importantly, thanks so much for what you're doing on all levels of soccer. Well, Dean, we, we couldn't do it without people like you. you. You're helping us get the message out, and, and, and that's key. So thank you as well. That means a lot coming from Dan Woog, a man that hopefully you can tell that I hold in high regard, have great respect for. And I like the fact that he was really ready to step up and say, yeah, black lives do matter, and that he appreciated the platform we've been given that. We're not done, and no pun intended, Crystal Dunn made a big statement because for so many years, because she was black and outstanding, everybody said it's because she's fast and a great athlete. It wasn't because she's incredibly smart. She's tactically strong. She can play every position on the field, and she is a brilliant person. Crystal Dunn, I caught up with as part of my coverage with the North Carolina Courage. She talked about Black Lives Matter. She talked about how Anson Dorrance has used her message in his locker room. Of course, she played for Anson Dorrance, and she talked about so much more. Crystal Dunn. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help, and who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches? Membership with United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. I want to thank Dan Woog, the chair of the LGBTQ and Allies Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches. Keep in mind, last week we kicked off with Nicole Hercules, the chair for the Black Coaches 
advocacy group and Nicole Hercules encouraged me you also heard Dan Wu talk about it to continue to use this platform to promote Black Lives Matter if you remember after Nicole Hercules we had Lynn Williams well perhaps making the best statement for Black Lives Matter as an elite female soccer athlete is Crystal Dunn you're talking about the starting left back and arguably one of the best if not the most versatile players in the world and Crystal Dunn has been very out front about the fact that everybody talks about me being fast and athletic and everything that normally people would talk about in referencing a black athlete. But she's so much more than that. As Anson Dorrance will tell you, she's one of the smartest players to ever play for him, one of the best players to ever play for him. And Crystal Dunn is right. We need to look beyond skin color in everything we do. And we are so lucky to catch up with Crystal Dunn as part of some of my work with the North Carolina Courage. My co-host, Anna Witte, you'll also hear her voice. And here's our visit with Crystal Dunn. We start by just thanking her for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And happy belated birthday, just a few days removed from your birthday. How was that? It was really fun. I mean, yeah, the girls really did a, a good job making all the birthdays here feel like, you know, a really special moment to celebrate. So it was really fun. Crystal, you'll be happy to know that I just finished an interview with Anson Dorrance for the United Soccer Coaches podcast, and I told him you were going to be on. And he kind of stopped in his tracks and said, you know, I really am feeling for Crystal Dunn. We've got the Black Lives Matter issue, and nobody could be a better spokesperson right now, Crystal, because he's so right forever. You have been a technical, tactical, fantastic player, a player that can play anywhere, and it doesn't matter your skin color. You're just outstanding. So he's like, we posted your message as well. This is Anson talking. What does that mean to you? It's really awesome that we have all the support. I mean, ever since I've been in this bubble, I do think there's been so many conversations and Anson has obviously been a true supporter of mine for a very long time. So I think him just, you know, reaching out all the time and, and you know, wanting to have more conversations and, you know, supporting me any way he can during these times, I think is is really important. One more question for me and I'll then turn it over to Anna because it reminded me when you won the McDermott Trophy, you came in, you and I sat down at the Dean Dome. And even back then, they were still talking about, yeah, she's fast, she's just, you know, this or that. But Anson's like, she's a great soccer player, one of the best in the world. And that's how we need to do it from now on, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the message I put out there a couple weeks ago was really not to take away qualities from players. I think, obviously, for me, I am quite fast, I am quick, but I do think that there's just sometimes too much emphasis on those qualities. I think it's important as a you know a commentator, as a coach, to really just see the player and all that they that they bring to the game. So I think if we just constantly talk about a player's athletic ability, I think it just takes away from any moments that they may have in the game of you know creativity and, and just some spark that has nothing to do with their athleticism. I'm sure you know this by now, but the game you guys played against Portland on CBS on June 27th had 572,000 viewers. It was almost 200 times what what the viewership was in last year's championship game. How does that number make you feel about the NWSL's potential? The NWSL bringing sports back was a really powerful moment. Uh, I think also the teams all unified and kneeling and, and really pushing out the message uh, for Black Lives Matter is really important as well. So I think 
you know, that game was really important for both teams. Uh, we talked a lot about it leading into the games, um, had some conversations with the Portland girls just to make sure that we're all on the same page because ultimately we wanted to bring sports back and have a very powerful message along with, you know, letting the world see sports again. And I kind of want to move to soccer now. You guys have played three games in nine days. It's been 11 days since your first game. Just how are you feeling right now? To be fair, it, we always knew it was going to be challenging. I think this is a really important tournament for a lot of young players as well because we really went into this tournament knowing that we're going to need everybody, you know? So I think for me, it was really nice to be able to not feel like I had to max out minutes and I do think that we have a deep roster. So it's been really great to know that we're all in this together and, and we're not relying on just one or two players. It's really a unified, collective group that we need in order to hopefully hoist up the, the trophy at the end of this. I want to go back to your comment about creative play because especially since we're going to talk to Merritt Mathias a little bit later, she'd normally be right back and heather o'reilly she had a baby she retired she's gone so now addison merrick and ryan williams steps in crystal dunn if they didn't step in and play well you may have heard the rumor that paul Rath said he may put you back there which is probably not where you want how great is it to see those two doing great at right back I love that we have so many outside backs on this team because that means I can remain right there in the middle of the pitch and, um, you know, just play a position that I feel like is the truest version of myself. But, of course, I am ultimate team player where should the team needed need me in that position, I was, you know, always going to be ready for that. Well, because of the Challenge Cup, like you said, Paul Riley's just been using your entire bench, so you haven't seen as many minutes as you probably would in just a normal season. How has your leadership changed? Uh, because you're not necessarily a leader 100% time on the field, but sometimes on the sidelines. Yeah, I think, um, you know, every player is different in this um, tournament. I think there are players that want to max out minutes and play every second of every game. I think for me, I went into this tournament wanting to make an impact when I am on the field, but also knowing that, you know, I really don't need to be maxing out minutes. You know, if the team needs me to do so, then great. But if there is an opportunity for other players to perform and get on the pitch, then I'm all for it. So I've just been really, you know, leading either on the field or trying to lead by example. And if I'm not on the field, then it's always being the biggest cheerleader and, and trying to motivate my team and encourage my teammates to, to you know, keep putting out good performances. Crystal, one player that it's been easy to cheer for is Dabinia. Paul Riley has talked about how you've made her a better player. Dabinia, like you, is now one of the best players in the world. When you watch her growth right in front of you, including her ability to play both sides, offense and defense, how does that make you feel, Crystal Dunn? I always tell people that I can only be the best version of myself if my teammates are pushing themselves to be that as well for themselves. And I think uh, it's been really fun and exhilarating playing alongside Davinia because I think we feed and vibe off of each other really well. I think she's obviously one of the top attacking players um, in the world. And, you know, I love being able to kind of allow her to have that freedom to roam even higher up the pitch and allow me, me to kind of cover it behind her. So I think for me, it's just it's really important that I allow her to be the best version of herself that she can possibly be. And, and even if my role has to change and I have to think more defensively to allow her to go forward more, then I think that that's what's best for the team. And um, it's been really incredible watching her grow and become even better, better every single season. Well, moving to just the bubble, I am personally really curious about what's going on inside. Are you watching anything fun or reading any books? You guys have eight days in between your, your, your last game and the next game. 
everyone's different. I think, um, of course, the, the girls that played a lot of minutes are using these next couple of days of like, you know, a little bit of rest and recover. Um, we do have a pretty close team. So a lot of the girls have been getting together and playing some games and just trying to keep busy. But uh, for me, I've been going on walks. I've been trying to just get a little bit of fresh air whenever I can. And um, just connecting with some friends that are not inside the bubble. Uh, I also see my husband from afar, which is nice. So I just, yeah, every day looks different. I'm trying to find new things of keeping, uh, you know, keeping busy and, and letting the time pass. Finally, Crystal Dunn, you won all those games at UNC. You've won all those games with the US youth teams. You've won World Cups with the US team. You've won all these championships with the North Carolina Courage. With all those wins, how important is it to add an NWSL Challenge Cup victory to your resume? Oh, I mean, winning does not get old. You know, I think, uh, you know, I can look at my career and I said, yeah, I've been on a lot of winning teams, but I think each year I set out a new goal. So this year it was obviously the Olympics in the beginning of the year. And once that was canceled, it was always about, okay, what is soccer going to look like in this country? And obviously the Challenge Cup was brought up to us. And of course, if you're going to be involved in a tournament, you might as well win the whole thing, right? So I do think that, you know, we've been playing pretty decently well. I think our, our games can get a little bit better. Our performances can get better. But um, I think we're on a great track, and I, I really feel confident that this group is going to um, go, go the whole way. Let's end with this, Crystal Dunn, because we read your statement. But in your own words, your message to everybody about Black Lives Matter as we try to make a difference. It really just takes uh, open conversations and open um, commitment to trying to make the world a better place. I think the biggest misconception is that this is a black person's issue, you know, and I think the more that everyone can get involved and everyone can fight for change, um, that's the only way that I see the real change happening and, and long lasting change. So I hope that everyone's feeling comfortable having these conversations and wanting to make the difference because we really do need everybody. I feel like I know I'm speaking for the entire club and all the great fans of the North Carolina Courage and the U.S. Women's National Team when I say thank you, Crystal Dunn, for everything you're doing on the field and off. Thank you. Crystal Dunn, what an outstanding ambassador. And her message is real, Anna Witte. And for you and I, even as commentators, even sort of that sometimes passive racism that you don't realize at the end of the day, this is a world-class player that is smart and that is tactical and that can do everything. Yeah, this Courage team's really lucky to have her on their team. I think she's just used her voice as a black woman very well with her team, also with the U.S. Women's National Team, and also has just been a great leader in general for this team. So, yeah, it was really great to hear what she had to say about what happened Saturday and what's just been happening overall in this Challenge Cup. That is 100% for sure, and I hope that Nicole Hercules, the chair for the Black Coaches Advocacy Group, can also use Crystal Dunn's message. Nicole, keep fighting the fight as well. Black lives do matter. We are going to end racism, and we are going to accept love and respect. What a great start to the show. We get to do a lot of great things on this show. Talk to Dan Wu, talk to Crystal Dunn. Next, we get to talk to Eric Sorley. He's in the youth game. That's right. Eric Sorley is the executive director of coaching for Sporting Springfield, a member of the Sporting Club Network. The man truly does it all. He talks about that, and he talks about why he wants to work with young soccer players. I like this guy, Eric Sorley, next after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick 
Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. You know, one of the things that I love about this podcast is we cover all aspects of the game of soccer, the game that we love, the passion that we have for the game, and that includes the youth level. And we're pleased to be joined by Eric Sorley, who's the Executive Director of Coaching for Sporting Springfield. You can check him out at sportingspringfield.com. Dot com, a member of the Sporting Club Network, Eric Sorley, again, Executive Director of Coaching. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dean. Yeah, let's get to know you a little bit, Eric. How did you find your way to this job? Tell us where you grew up, where you went to college, the steps you had before you took this important job. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's been a long one. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas, played for the Dallas Texans. Back when they first formed, uh, one of the first classes to come out of there. Uh, went to West Texas A&M, Division II program out in Canyon, Texas, with Bush Lawford as the head coach. I think he's still there. Just saw him the other day as I was passing through on vacation. And then got a job with Missouri State University when I graduated from college as the men's assistant coach there with Coach John Leamy. He's still there as well. And then at one point I just decided, hey, I'm I got to get out of the college game and want to get in, into the youth game and spend more time on the field and less time with the NCAA rules and ramifications and uh, got into the club team and just been grinding it out ever since. What do you love most about the club game, the youth game, Eric Sorley? I think it has to do mostly with the amount of time you spend with kids, with children that are flexible and moldable. You know, you teach them and help them learn the love of the sport and the love of the game and try to create future coaches and players and, and ambassadors, I guess, for the sport. What's the best way to describe the values of Sporting Springfield? Again, folks can find it at SportingSpringfield.com. Tell us about the values and tell us about your club. How big is it? Yeah, so we just went through tryouts at the beginning of June, and we'll we'll be around 900 kids or so when, when it all shakes loose and we get our, our little kids program going. And I think some of the biggest things that we've always prided ourselves on and it's probably part of our DNA is our work ethic, the fairly blue-collared club that we try to develop into a club with a playing style that tries to have the ball and want the ball and, and get it and keep it and go score goals and, and you know, that sort of of play and, and, and love for the for having the ball. And I think, you know, from the work ethic DNA, we've created – a mantra, I guess, so to speak, of, hey, we're going to put the club first. We're going to have a high work ethic. We're going to have a winning mentality because we do want to be as good as we can possibly be. And we're going to have a growth mindset. Those would be our four club values there to try to really just learn and grow and push, but not settle for anything that's happened in the past or the present either. I appreciate those club values. I do want to know how long you've been the executive director of coaching for Sporting Springfield. And I do want to know what are the intricacies of the job? What are your main responsibilities, Eric Sorley. Yeah, so the the job title itself as executive director has probably been mine for two years. Before that, it was nobody, so I've worked my way into it. But I've, I've led or been in charge of a portion or all of the club for probably eight to nine years now, ten years now, I guess. And I would say I wear every hat possible. So 
led the merger with another club twice now in the past four years. We are on the verge of building a facility of our own, which will have grass fields, turf fields, indoor space. I've been behind that scene, leading the hiring of our boys and girls directors, our sporting director with methodology, our youth director, and really all of the programming that we go through, try to lead that charge and then, and then turn that over to others that are able to run the show and, and be on the ground daily. So fundraising, program management, affiliation growth, really everything that you could possibly think of I've had my hands in. You mentioned you played in college, you coached in college, you talked about wanting to get into the youth game. Fill the blank for me on this one, Eric Sorley. You wake up every day now as the executive director of coaching for Sporting Springfield, and every day when you wake up, you say, man, I love my job because why? Oh, so many reasons. The sport and children, you know, from the, the times I'm working with seven or eight-year-olds to the times I'm working with high school players to the the kids that are leaving us to go join the Sporting Kansas City Development Academy. You know, we, we've kind of, we're in a good little niche here in town where, again, we work with three- and four-year-olds all the way up to high school players that go off to colleges. We've sent kids to Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. We've had a boy and a girl make the youth national teams. We've had a kid make the pro level that played for USL sides in St. Louis and in Kansas City. We've just kind of been able to do a little bit of everything and do it really well. So I just love to see who's next and what's next. Because you're not too far from the official headquarters of the United Soccer Coaches, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We do it 52 times a year. We do one every single week. One of the things we often talk about are the two M's, memories and mentors. When you think about great memories and great mentors, either through the association or just in your general path, who comes to mind? What comes to mind? Yeah, I think when it comes to memories, it's the people that I've been involved with. More so, of course, granted winning things and being on the stage and seeing those smiles and grins of kids and teammates is always there, but I think the people that you are around and you spend your days with and you help grow communities with is the biggest memory I have. So anybody that's come through the through the club here or through the the colleges that I've worked at, I think those are the biggest memories. Time on the field, seeing kids smile and grow and, and you know, the kid that comes to practice that one day and goes, Hey coach, I got a new juggling record or hey look at this new move I perfected or I learned how to bend the ball, you know, on a free kick, different things like that. When it comes to mentors you know, I think the people I've worked with, uh, I've tried to take something from everybody, from Tommy Fazekas, one of my younger youth coaches, to Butch Lawford, my college coach, to Coach Leamy here at Missouri State, to some of the guys I work with, Michael Siebel, who's an associate at Missouri State, just people that I surround myself with. I really try to learn from everybody and everything. The great answer, Eric Sorley, Executive Director of Coaching. You can check him out at SportingSpringfield.com. He also told you about a big-time facility they're building, which probably means maybe your club has a chance to go there for a big event. That is exciting as well. Eric, I like your commitment to youth soccer, and it sounds like you're stuck in with youth soccer. We need more people like you. Thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you, Dean, for having me. I really appreciate the time and, and the respect, and the kids are why we do this. I like that guy, Eric Sorley. That was a good interview, and I like the fact that United Soccer Coaches gives me a platform to talk to 
people involved in soccer at all levels, including his level in the youth system. Great stuff, Eric Sorley. Really well done. Can't wait to see that facility when it's all done as well. Coming up, we meet two more members of our great 30 Under 30 United Soccer Coaches class. Stay with us, everybody. United Soccer Coaches is proud to announce that Verizon has signed a multi-year partnership that will make the technology giant the official innovation, wireless technology, and 5G partner of the association. Verizon will become the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches college and high school rankings as well as, quote, from the training ground, end quote, weekly educational email toolkit curated by the United Soccer Coaches Education Department. Verizon's support of United Soccer Coaches will allow the association to continue its mission of providing programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love through the pillars of advocacy, education, and service. Thank you, Verizon, the newest partner of United Soccer Coaches. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. It seems like these 30 under 30 folks, they're superstars. I mean, they've already done more before they're 30 years old than I've done my entire life. And I'm 20 years older, no exception with Karen Gernan, who was named the sixth head coach of the Union College women's soccer team in New York back in May. She's eager to get out there and get with her team. But of course, at the same time, she's being named. We're dealing with this terrible pandemic. But Nonetheless, Karen Gernan is with us now. Karen, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Karen, I know we're not supposed to mention ages of young women, but here you are. You're just at 30, and this is your third head coaching job. You've accomplished a lot in just a short time. What do you attribute that to? I would say I've always been kind of eager for the next challenge. So my time at UConn and then being at a few Division One programs in Colgate and Albany. I learned a lot from some really great head coaches during my time there. And when the Newberry College job came along, I felt like I was ready for the next challenge. Not necessarily didn't have everything I needed in my school belt so far, but it was a challenge and I learned a lot. So I think that that has, that leap kind of has helped me get to where I am now. Well, let's bounce around a little bit because I want to hear about your time at UConn. You played four seasons for the Huskies from 2008 to 2012, serving as a four-year starter on the defensive line for the Huskies, played in 83 matches, 75 starts, four-year member of the Big East All-Academic team. As a senior, you were a co-captain, which shows you're a leader, which no surprise is you're an accomplished coach, and you were selected to play in the 2012 Senior Bowl. So, first off, recap your time at UConn. It's pretty nice in stores. Yeah, I'm jealous that I'm not there now. The, um, they've made a lot of changes to campus, but really enjoyed my time there. I actually was there for four and a half years. I registered my sophomore year, but I made friends that are lifetime teammates. I still keep in touch with a pretty good group of them. We had some challenging times on, on the field, but definitely some memorable ones. I would say one of my most memorable games was um, our freshman year we had a very talented team the year before they had they had made it to the elite eight in the national tournament i was playing with steph labay who was our goalkeeper who now plays for the canadian national team and i was a, a center back and i had just taken on that position i used to play 
up passing in the midfield before coming into college, but Lenny saw something in me as a defender, so took on that role, and we were in the Big East final, and we actually didn't make it through, but we were playing Notre Dame, and the weather during that game was so wild. It was sunny, it snowed, I think it might have rained a little bit too, so it was wild. Definitely one of the more memorable games that I played in. Okay, so you graduated with a double major, and I'm breaking it down here, psychology and anthropology. Definitely want to know what you've done with that anthropology part of it. But then <laughs> you went across the pond and attended Durham University in the United Kingdom, where you earned a postgraduate diploma in further professional studies and education. While across the pond, you served as a graduate assistant with the women's football first and second team at Durham, thus creating that coaching desire. But Talk about uh, that double major at UConn and then your decision to head over to the UK. So during my time at UConn, uh, when I, you know, went for the four-and-a-half-year track with my redshirt year for my sophomore year, I had taken a few anthropology classes, and so it's about the study of people and their cultures, and I know a lot of random facts about the Aboriginal people in Australia and some random things, but... um I really enjoyed uh, learning about different areas of study, and I really, really enjoyed one of my professors, and I was able to pretty much take every class that he taught at UConn, and that made it so that I was able to get a double major. A lot of the electives that counted for psychology also counted for anthropology, so I think I had some very good advisors that helped me to be able to make each of my classes kind of count as double, but it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed both of my both of my fields of study in psych and anthropology. I think that at this point, I use a little bit more psychology than I do anthropology, uh, <laughs> but it was definitely interesting to do for uh, four years. And then after that, I, you know, went on to go to Durham University in England, and I actually, in between the end of my college career and... Durham. I went to play in Canada for the summer for the Ottawa Fury. Um, they were in the W League. Don't believe that they exist anymore, but had a great experience there for the summer in Canada. Got to live in Ottawa, work with the club teams there, and play for a great team with, you know, players from all over the world. We had some from, a few from Australia, a few from New Zealand, we had some, a player from, I think there were a few from Europe as well one from England, and, you know, really just got to learn a lot about how, you know, just a different style of play from those international players. And we had a, a really great team. They were very talented. Um, I'm not exactly sure how far we made it in the W League, but in one of the last games, I actually ended up tearing my ACL, so that kind of changed my plans for going to England. I still ended up going, but I was planning to play. Um, so I ended up getting a little bit more experience in the in the coaching role and on the coaching side. So I think that I credit my the injuries that could have been, you know, really detrimental, definitely changed my plans, but also kind of gave me the leg up in the coaching world to just be able to start everything a little bit sooner than I than I probably would have if I was healthy throughout that whole time in England. So looking at your path, as you touched on already, spending time with Kathy Braun, who I, I love at Colgate, and then the University of Albany and then getting the chance to be a head coach at a couple spots. Uh, when did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Was it when you were at UConn? Was it before, after? When did you know, hey, I want to be a head coach? 
my dad, uh, Roy Gurney, he's actually he's a longtime head coach at a um, at Ellington High School in Connecticut. Uh, so I've been around, you know, coaching my entire life. I'm pretty sure I learned how to walk on a on the soccer sideline. So it's definitely a, a family affair, um, I would say. So, you know, my I always looked up to my dad, and you know, it was something that I always thought I wanted to be a part of my life. I couldn't see soccer not being a part of my life through college. I was trying to figure out how I could be involved in soccer and also have a career. It wasn't really until I really started to look at what my coaches were doing, probably in my junior, senior year of college, where I was like, wait, I could try to do this. So from there, I tried to start to, um, you know, do some more coaching education and get to more of the national conventions and do some of the next generation coach diploma. I did that at one of the conventions. Um, So just started to you know, learn what the ropes really entails and um, start to learn from some of my, you know, some of my dad buddy, my dad's buddies that had been in the game for a while and then start to also, you know, learn from some of the younger up-and-coming coaches as well. So it would be a major understatement to say that your dad is super proud of you, right? I mean, since he was a coach, just talk about his inspiration and your family's inspiration. So I don't know the exact numbers here, but I believe that my dad has been the coach at Ellington High School for over 25 years. I'm pretty sure he has almost, I think it's over 300 wins. He has, I think, at least three state championships, maybe more than that. There's two that are back-to-back. So he definitely is a very talented coach. Um, been able to coach some really great boys teams at that level. I definitely learned from him as far as the passion that you transmit from yourself as a you know, as a player, he actually, he played at UConn, so kind of always thought that that would be a great place to go to school, and I didn't really think that this chance would come along until, you know, Lenny gave me a call. I just saw that it was how much you could really affect players and not just their abilities and talents on the soccer field, but how much more than soccer it was really about. And I think that there's a lot of coaches right now. If they didn't know already, I'm sure that they're really seeing the connections that they have with players through this pandemic, right? Because there's only so much of, hey, maybe you should try to do this conditioning section or try to juggle like this or make sure you're getting to whatever, a fitness level. Um, it has to be more than that. So I think that that personal connection is something that I really was able to gather from my experience and, you know, watching my dad be a great coach and also was able to gather from all the other coaches that I've been able to work under. And what kind of advice did he give you when you got the call from Schenectady to take this job as the head coach of the Union College Women's Soccer Program? He was really excited, very excited for, you know, the opportunity and just thinking back on the, you know, the hard work that that brought me to this opportunity. There were definitely times at previous institutions where I was, working really hard at at a club team as well as, you know, working for the college program. And my parents were helping me out with paying my rent because it was just a little bit more expensive than I could afford, but always looking to pay them back and make sure that I wasn't creating too deep of a hole for myself. But, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to be where I am now without, you know, their support along the way. And now just being at a institution that is recognized across the country as just a great liberal arts education, a high-level athletic program as well is, is really exciting because I feel like I feel like I will have a lot to bring to the program, and I know that it has a great 
you know, storied history with um, Coach Beck. And, you know, just really excited to bring a new perspective, um, you know, a different light to the program. So can't wait to get started. Hopefully the fall happens. Yeah, indeed. And let's end with that because hopefully it does happen. And how hard has it been because you've got all this excited energy, right, and you want to get out there mm-hmm. on the field with, yeah, with your team. Like how have you stayed connected with them and what's been your message to them? First couple weeks of, you know, being hired, um, I had individual Zoom um, video chats with with every player and really just gave them a full half an hour to, you know, try to answer some just basic questions so that I could feel like I knew them a little bit better as as people and and soccer players and then really just get to, you know, talk about some other stuff, what they've been doing during this time, any questions that they had for me. So really just trying to build that personal relationship. I would have liked to think that if we were on campus during this time, I would have done exactly the same thing. But I think that this pandemic has given us a little bit more time to just sit back and take a lot of things in. So whereas I think that if I were in the office and trying to get through those 27 Zoom sessions, I would have been a little bit going a little bit crazy. But, uh, you know, sitting down in my living room and pulling up the video video chat and doing that with each of the players, has it was really nice. Um, I feel like Hopefully they felt like they were able to connect with me on a different, on a personal level, and I really felt like we have a good baseline moving forward for them just to know that I care about them as more than just just players. You know, I'm looking to help develop them into great leaders in the community, of course, great students, but moving on into their careers through their education at Union. So I'm very excited to really, really get going in the fall. Karen Gernon, already done so much under the age of 30. Amazing work. Congratulations for being part of this class. Congratulations on your new job. And hopefully, as you said, we get through this and you're back out there doing what you love. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, Karen. Thank you, Dean. It was great to talk with you. Okay. We end the show meeting another 30 Under 30 member, Brian Mitko, when we return. Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast as we spend more time with another member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. Really excited to talk to Brian Mitko. Hard to believe this guy's under 30 as he enters his fourth season as SUNY Delhi's men's soccer head coach, the Skidmore graduate and former soccer and lacrosse player where he lettered eight times, came to the Broncos after two years as an assistant coach at the University of Vermont. He and his Broncos set off for their second season in the North Atlantic Conference after qualifying for the NAC tournament a year ago. Pretty impressive what you've done already, Brian. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, Brian, I'll tell you what, you're beyond your years already. I mean, I'm not sure how old you are right now, but you've done a lot at a young age. How did you know that uh, you had that makeup, the capabilities, the tenacity to make it this far already? You know, things just kind of happen for different reasons. And, you know, I'm passionate about the sport. I love soccer. I've had a lot of great mentors in my life. Going back to my first coach, which is my dad, I think my dad coached me in almost every single sport growing up. And 
you know, he helped out even at uh, Skidmore College with our goalies. And then going from there, working at Bard with Andy McCabe, who was an assistant at Middlebury for a, a long time. And then going to Vermont with uh, Jesse Cormier and Rob Dow. And I think I learned more soccer at Vermont than I ever did in my entire life. So just seeing their passion, their tenacity, and how they ran their programs rubbed off on me. And, you know, hopefully my guys are enjoying the experience like they did at Vermont and all of the other places I was at. So you roll along those couple years at Vermont. You find out that SUNY Delhi is looking for a head coach. Talk about that interview process. Did your age ever come up during that process, and how do you remember closing that deal? That process happened real fast. I remember it was late July, I believe, and they were looking for a coach for just that year. So, you know, I went up. It was like a rainy day. I was in my suit. I got soaked. And then I met with search committee, talked with them. I met with some former players, some current players and just express, you know, how I thought my program would run. And, you know, I just believe that our program is not only there to get our guys to be better soccer players, but to get them better for your life, get them ready to get a good job, get their promotions. When the time comes, be a great husband, be a great father. Those are the things that, you know, I really cherish in my soccer program, and I think my guys are starting to take that away. If you listen to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, not just the 30 under 30, but uh, we find a lot of people, assistant coaches, that want to be you, Brian. I mean, they want a head coaching job. What kind of advice can you give those folks that are, you know, continuing like a little hamster on that wheel trying to get there? What kind of advice can you give, Brian? You got to work. The more work you put in, the more you're going to get out of it, and you just got to keep making connections. The more people you know, the soccer world is a small community, especially in the college coaching arena. Everybody knows everybody somehow. So the more people that you can reach out to and you do their camps, you work for them as an assistant, you volunteer, the more time you put in those areas, the more likely, you know, you'll get a couple good references or this guy knows another guy looking for an assistant coach and he'll be able to step up into that college arena. Well, you mentioned assistant coaches. I don't imagine you have a massive coaching staff, but do you have some assistants and how did you go about picking them? Um, over the past two, three years, I've had three different um, assistant coaches each for each season. In the first one, I had to get kind of out of the blue, and, you know, I was reaching out to players that were just currently graduating because usually the younger guys, they can, you know, afford to put some time into soccer and not get paid much and do something they're passionate about and even get some of their grad work done. It was actually my buddy who I played Skidmore soccer with, Andy Ringler. He had nothing really going on, and he was still missing the game a bunch, so he wanted to come and coach a bit. And then my second one was Nick Schemberger, who was actually my first recruit ever out of Bard College. So that was kind of fun to be with him and reconnect, because he was a fabulous player, great role model. I thought he did a great job with the guys. And then last year, my assistant was Coleman Aikie. He's from the Saratoga area looking to get involved in the college game a bit. He did a good job. And currently right now, I don't have anything really lined up. I have a student manager, and, you know, with everything going on with hiring freezes, we're kind of still waiting to see what we can get and who's going to be available. So it should be a very busy season. All right, fair enough. If you know anything about me, I also call quite a bit of lacrosse. In fact, before COVID hit, I had the honor of calling Penn State Yale one versus three up a rematch of last year's Final Four, which was super exciting. And one of the things that we even featured in that game is the the guy who had all the assists and 
basketball for Northwestern. You've got the crossover lacrosse to soccer. Just talk about how lacrosse helped you in your growth. Uh, it's a great sport. Yeah. You know, I always played multiple sports, and even in high school, I was playing soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. The club burned me out, so I started playing these other sports. It just gives you different strengths and different vision and different ideas. With lacrosse, I was always on, you know, man down team. And as a soccer player, I was a center back for Skidmore. So, you know, those man down situations happen all the time in soccer. It's just in a different way. So being able to, you know, see the problem and get a fix quickly definitely helps in the communication piece, sliding, you know, covering someone's spot, someone's going out to go defend someone on the wing, you know, it's all relatable. And I thought that having lacrosse in my life actually kick-started that offensive mindset for me. And so I was able to be a leader in the back and tell everyone what to be doing. And, you know, luckily everyone was awesome on my team. I loved everyone I played with, so it was easy to communicate. If it wasn't enough that you got eight letters in college at Skidmore, four in soccer, four in lacrosse, you already talked about the fact that really it's a part-time assistant at best at your current job. Well, you also were the tennis coach for a couple of years. What do you know about tennis, my man? Didn't know much about tennis, but I'm starting to learn a little bit more now. It was just one of those things, you know, they needed help with it. You know, I had more than enough time to help out, and it was good. I actually had maybe five of my soccer players play. It was a good experience. I wouldn't have traded for anything, but it's nice to be, uh, you know, focusing on uh, other things now with uh, the college side and this other individual small group training stuff. You've already accomplished so much, so I'm looking forward to this answer. What did it mean to be named the 30 under 30 class? Because, Brian, you've blown right through, I mean, even that part of it with everything you've accomplished. And that's a lot. Because this past fall, I remember getting the phone call, and I was on my way recruiting in the city, I believe. And I remember it was like a hard week. I think we just lost, and we had a couple of good practices. We're starting to get back, and then I had that one. And then kind of just, you know, made my week, and everything kind of rolled from there. We started winning a couple more games, and I remember just calling my parents and just being super excited, and they were ecstatic about it as well. When you think about United Soccer Coaches and this great class of 30 under 30s, what does the organization mean to you, Brian? It means a lot. You know, I've definitely become more involved in the last three years uh, being the head coach here and being able to go out to the conventions. I've been two out of the last three. It's just been an amazing experience. Every single time you go to the convention, every single time you reach out for some help or whatever it is, they're always there helping you. I've had great mentors through that uh, program. You know, my head coach was Ron Keechin. He was always been a part of the program. It's just a circle of giving. And the older guys want to give back and teach us some stuff, and we can hopefully teach them a little bit as well. But it's just such a tight-knit community that it's it's a blast going down to Baltimore and seeing everybody, talking to everybody, learning new things. And sometimes I got more things out of talking to coaches, just having a coffee, than some of the other things. So, you're always going to learn. Everyone's looking out for each other. It's it's a great, great program. You sound like a grounded young man, native of Clinton, Connecticut. You already gave a lot of credit to your family as we are trying to get through this pandemic and get word from the North Atlantic Conference and also get word from the SUNY Delhi administration. What is kind of your message to, you know, everybody, including your team, as we all wait to see if we're going to get back to normal and get back to playing some college soccer. 
The biggest thing is to do things like we think it's going to be normal almost. It's not going to be normal whatsoever, but being able to train and be together as a group, FaceTiming, Zooming, talking, texting, whatever it is, as long as we're together, we're going to be able to get through this between our administration, our staff, incoming guys, our current team members. They've been great with reaching out to each other, making sure everyone's okay. I know my older guys are already getting the incoming guys involved in the group chats, and it's fun to see that happening, and you can see the excitement in our group growing. Even with everything going on, there could be delays, there could be missed games, but, you know, our guys are ready to go. They want to be back together. They want that family back, and they want to, you know, play the sport they love. And it's just a pleasure seeing them, seeing them all together and accomplishing that. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Brian Mitko. I feel like I'm going to see you somewhere big down the road. You are put together, great answer, great interview, and well-deserving member of the 30 Under 30 class. Thanks so much for joining us on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, Brian. Thank you so much, Dean. It is my pleasure. Great to meet two more 30 Under 30 members and also appreciate Dan Woog, Crystal Dunn, and Eric Sorley for joining the show. I want to thank Michael Knipper and Sean Shevel and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches for each and every one of them. I'm Dean Linky. Stay safe, everybody.